Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. Miss Cindy works with our ladies and we've known them for, she, hey listen, she loves to have fun. She loves to laugh. And there may be a time where she may come up and take the microphone. I don't know, but she's, she's, she's fantastic uh, to be around, and she loves to have fun. But we're excited to have them. This is their first time to be with us, to, first, to see our facility. And uh, I want you guys to welcome him as he comes this morning, Pastor Ken Drone. Good morning. Oh, come on now. Sooner you get in, sooner we'll get out. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Somebody said, I'm packing to leave now. It's a privilege to be here with you guys, Pastor, First Lady. I'm telling you, uh, I don't know if y'all remember Roosevelt Hunter, but Roosevelt would come to our church often, and he'd call her the mother of the church. <laughs> Cindy said, I don't want to be the mother of the church. Hey, it's, it's, it is a blessing, and we are, we're just so excited about this church, and you guys, birthing. I, I did church planting for nine years before I was superintendent, and uh, I, I love to see churches started. I love to see the birthing of visions and dreams, and this is just beginning. This, this, this is an infant. This is a toddler. You just wait till you go into the next chapter and the next chapter of what God's going to do. When you go into two services and three services. Oh, come on. Don't look around at me like that. Yeah. You know, I listened to a couple of the uh, podcasts. I love to do that to get the flavor of things. And, and I noticed you, you had to keep asking them, did, did you get that? Do I have an amen? I'm going to tell you, anybody ever primed a pump? Anybody old enough to remember priming a pump? You got to pump it until something comes out. The sooner you flow, the sooner we go. Well, it is a privilege to be here, and, and I want to share the word for a few minutes. We're on the way up here, and I just got sick. I said, should I call him? She said, you can't cancel on Sunday morning. Uh, I mean, I was like, oh. I said, you drive. I, but anyway. I'm okay. I may not be 120%, but I'm right at 100. So anyway, we're, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And again, let me commend you, Pastor, for your vision, your dream, and the people that have been a part of making that happen. There's more to come. Amen. I, I, I love it. We, uh, we left, as you're turning to Romans 8, we left uh, school. I was at Central Bible College. I went to that other one. And uh, then I went to Simmons God Theological Seminary, left, and we took a church of 35 people. That was the first Sunday. Second Sunday was 30. I, I don't think they liked what they heard, so, uh, you know, we lost quite a piece of our congregation. But God has dreams and visions, and if you stick with them, He will bless. And we saw over the years, God blessed that we had to, we had to extend. We finally had to buy land and move and get a bigger building. Because I'm telling you, when God births something, it comes to fruition. And this one's going to come to fruition. Amen. 
Are you there, Romans? Cool. Verse 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, now let, me, let me stop. It's not, running commentaries are not good, and, and you, you get kicked out of uh, preaching classes when you do that. But, but right here, there, there's an interesting Greek word it uses here, and, and it's the word metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis. Think of the cocoon. Think of the butterfly that comes out of that thing and flies. This is what he's saying, but be transformed. Metamorphic. Be transformed. How do you get transformed? How do you change from what you were to what you want to be in God? By the renewing of your mind. There it is. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me pray for you. Father, in these next minutes that we have together, I pray for your anointing, not upon your word because it's there, but upon your servant and upon those who listen to your word. That that transforming, that metamorpho, that power that makes you something else, that power that moves you from here to there, that power that changes you supernaturally. I pray for that to envelop this house and this room and the people that are here for the glory of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to see verse 2 in another translation. Philip's translation says verse 2 like this. For the new spiritual principle of life in Christ lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. Did you hear that? The new spiritual principle of life in Christ lifts me out of that old vicious circle of sin and death. Life in Christ pulls me out of being defeated, being beaten down, being nothing, being a zero. It changes me. Now look at Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God... For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed... We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Somebody say amen to the word. Now, let me tell you a story about this old country preacher. He was confronted in a grocery store by this highly educated agnostic. This, this agnostic, this skeptic, he said, why do you Christians? Just tell me this, preacher. Why do you Christians always claim the assurance of victory in the battle of eternity. How can you do that? The old preacher, I love his reply. He says, well, son, it says in the beginning of my Bible that God was in charge when it all started up. Then I flips over to the end of my Bible and reads that God will still be in charge when time runs down. 
So I figure twixt the beginning and twixt the end weren't nobody else big enough to whip him. <laughs> Amen. So, so we live in the twixt between. We live from the, 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 the story that starts in the garden to the story we, didn't, we read in Revelation about the New Jerusalem. We're in this twixt between. Theologians call it the already but not yet. The Apostle Peter called it the last days. The truth is that we live in dangerous days because he said in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous times come. So what the Word says, we're living in those days of perilous time. We're living in those dangerous days. We're living in those days where the devil knows his days are numbered. So he's going to pull down everybody he can before the end. He's going to try to drag down the plan of God in your life before the end. When, when you listen to the chief minds of our day, they're all saying, we're in trouble. We're in a mess. Too many in the church suffer from something called chronophobia, which means fearing tomorrow. They fear what's coming next. I've read into too many Christians who are afraid of what's coming next. I've read the end of the Bible. I know what's coming. They fear tomorrow. No wonder folks ask if there's any hope. Some live life like it's doomed. There's no future. And I wonder, if we, have we birthed a generation that isn't sure if they even want to live in this world? Do you, do you realize that every 40 seconds somebody takes their life? Every 40 seconds somebody commits suicide. They tell us in less than two years it'll be every 20 seconds. That means five people a minute will go into eternity because they don't see where there's any hope. We, we've been put through the emotional ringer. We, we've been put through. And, and so many people on this planet are traumatized. Too, too many today in the church just don't know where, where to go or what to do. Something's wrong if we don't know what to do. But in the midst of all that's going on around us, and I'm telling you, it's a crazy world. You either like what I like or I don't like you. That's what the world says. It's a crazy world. But, but in all this, come, come crashing through this fog of hopelessness, I, I see the Word cries out and tells us God's going to give us the power to make it in the middle of what's going on around us. There is dynamic power for dangerous days that God promises His believers and the church. Amen. God's Word, I don't know if you read it, God's Word says that we're more than conquerors. Listen, when I was a kid, I loved what we call funny books, comic books. My favorite were the superheroes. We understood timeshare before timeshare was popular. The guys in my neighborhood, it was called the village, Guff Village, right up from Alabama Village. That tells you something. It was a government project. I mean... My parents divorced when I was four, put my stuff in a box and took me to a neighbor and gave me to a neighbor. I was raised by a neighbor. But we learned timeshare early. We would save up our money. See, back then, last century, back then, <laughs> you, could, you could trade your Coca-Cola bottles in for three cents. 
So we'd get enough Coca-Cola bottles to get a comic book, funny book. So we'd all go buy new ones and we would swap them. That's timeshare. And you'd get four, five, six new books by just buying one. I mean, I think that's a cool idea. But you know what I did? Every time I got my newest version of Superman, you know what I did? I flipped over to the back of it. And if Superman was standing there with his hands on his hips and his cape blowing in the breeze, I knew that no matter what happened from that front page to that back page, that Superman was still in charge. He had not been hit by kryptonite, Lex Luger. No one had stopped Superman. He was still in charge. I've read the Bible from the front to the back, and I realize at the back he's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's still on the throne, and he's in charge. So I don't know who's messing with your mind today. But I'm telling you, God is still in charge. Micah said in chapter 3 and verse 8, I'm full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Zechariah said in chapter 4 and verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive what? Power. After that, my, my, my watch just said breathe. <laughs> Everybody take a breath. <laughs> but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This sounds fantastic. I mean, incredible, almost unbelievable. How can this happen? How, how can we receive this power? How does this take? How do, we, how do we change our thinking, our walking, our talking? How do we change our environment? Yeah. Acts chapter 17 says, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. It's a supernatural transformation. Listen to me this morning. God never intended for the church to fail. It has been His plan that we become the instrument of God in these dangerous days. And He didn't leave us to do it on our own. He said, ye shall have power. What, what is the word? You're, you're students of the Bible. The word there in the original language in verse 8 is dunamis. Now what is dunamis? Boom! Dynamite. He said, ye shall receive dunamis, power. And what's power do? What does dynamite do? Anybody ever been around dynamite? Dynamite can move a stump, move a tree, change the course of a river, move a mountain. It can change the physical landscape. He said, what I'm going to do is give you spiritual dynamite to change the spiritual landscape. To change you. You can't change your family. You can't change your community till you get changed first. Until a church has been changed, it's not going to be a change agent. Oh, come on. Somebody say, hey. Yeah. It starts in you. It starts in you. It starts in you. When you turn your life over to Jesus Christ... When you give it all to Him, things start happening that changes your life and affects those around you. How do you do that? Number one, I'm going to give you four things, but they're not going to be long. Don't get nervous. Four. Four. <laughs> Pastor doesn't give us four. Well, just get over it. I already told you. You can start counting them and you'll know, right? Number one. If you're going to change your environment, if you're going to change your family, if you're going to change your world, you've got to change your walk. Amen. Amen. Verse 2 said, the new 
spiritual principle of life in Christ lifts me out of the old vicious cycle of sin and death. You have to experience a change in your life purpose. You know one of the hot buttons? One of the hot buttons, three hot buttons in society, one of them is significance. People want to know why they exist. What am I here for? What's my purpose? Why, why, why am I even on this planet? God says, because I've got a plan for you. Just like David, he knew you in your mother's womb. My parents giving me to a neighbor didn't change God's destiny in my life. We don't have to let our circumstances change the God destiny. Get your eyes on God. Oh, come on. And the only way is you've got, you've got to repent. That, that's where you turn from sin to God. It, it's more than being sorry for your sins. You know, the guy in the back of the police car is always sorry for being caught. It's not about being sorry for your sins. It's about believing that God's got a plan and where you've been is not that plan and that's not you and you ask him to, for God, forgive me for not walking with you. I don't want to be there. I want your gift released in my life. I want to be lifted out of this old vicious cycle of sin and death. Now sin, that's not a popular word. That's not politically correct anymore. It gets veiled in terms of morality. You hear people say, they're not going to push their morality on me. What does the Bible say sin is? The Old Testament, we see sin change a king to a degenerated, self-condemned fugitive seeking wisdom from a witch on his deathbed. Sin can take you down. It'll take you further than you want to go. Keep you long and you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. Sin is not good. In David's case, caused him to kill a man, lie, try to hide it and cover it. And then the chain of sin of his rebellion came down through his family. In the New Testament, the Greek uses the word hamatia for the word sin. It comes from the archery side. It comes from that side to where someone is shooting an arrow in trying to hit a target. So the idea here is God's got a target. If you're missing the target, you're doing what? You're sinning because you've missed the target. It is stumbling and falling down when we have the capacity to walk. It's transgression. 1 John 3 and 14 says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So, so God says, I've got a plan, I've got a design, I've got a purpose. Here it is. Come on, hit it. Come on, shoot the arrow. Come on, come after it. Some of us are like Charlie Brown. I don't know if you, you know, I love the theology of Charlie Brown. He's in the backyard, and he pulls his bow back, and he takes this unbelievable shot, hits a tree, runs over and draws a circle around it and hollers, bullseye. <laughs> now, guess who comes in the yard? She looks at him and says, Charlie, that's not the way it works. Say, what do you mean? How does it work? She said, you have to draw the circle. Then you shoot the arrow into the circle. Then you can holler, bullseye. 
He said, my way's easier. See, that's where we are in life. We don't, we don't see the targets that God has for us. We're just saying bullseye, bullseye, bullseye when it ain't so. Sin is that underlying destructive force that wants to come cripple us. Bogs us down, makes us guilty, fills us with living in the flesh. I mean, I'm not going to stay there, but it's important that we understand that. The question is, do I live my life by the commands of the flesh Am I allowing the baser emotions to control me and, and, and take me where I don't want to go? Do I make my decisions based on carnal desires? You know, I had one preacher one time, Jesse Duplantis, some of you may have heard him, preached for us one time and, and he talked about fits of carnality. He said, I see Christians who get into fits of carnality. They just go off on carnality and just sin. See, when we live by the flesh, we become depressed, defeated, we're losers, we're quitters. But the Apostle Paul says, look, God has given you, come on, listen to me, church. God has given you the power to be pulled up out of that vicious cycle of sin. He's given you the power to walk above it. To live above it, to talk above it, to think above it. He says, why don't you trust him and let it work in your life? God has given us dynamic power for these dangerous days. But number one, if you're going to, hey, if you're going to walk through a minefield, it's best to follow someone who knows where the mines are. And we're walking through minefields and the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'll walk with you. And show you where to put your feet. Today, I challenge you, if you've not done it, today is a day to hit reset in your spiritual life and walk out of here differently than you walked in. Changing the walk. Not the walk you walked in with, but the walk God's called you to walk out with. Number two, we're halfway through. How's that? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, Woo, hallelujah. I mean, the introduction was half the message. Whoa. Let's not take pictures of the preacher on the floor. <laughs> I like to went down on this carpet. Number two, if you're going to change your walk, you've got to follow the Spirit. Amen? Verse 14 says, all who follow the leading of God's Spirit are His own sons. And, and can, can I translate that really from His own sons and daughters? Okay? The Christian who walks in victory over the sinful nature is the child of God who understands the truth that the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is living in them. Hallelujah. The victorious Christian agrees with God what sin is. Oh, come on. No, don't shout me down. I'm telling truth. He, he desires in his heart to put the flesh to death. Then he allows the Holy Spirit to do the cleanup work. Let me tell you what I learned a long time ago pastoring. The church I, I, the church I went to, Sirland, is the only church I pastored. I spent 22 years there. And I learned this. We can catch them, but God has to clean them. It's fish, you know. He said, we're fishermen of men. You can't clean them. You think you can. He just said, invite them, bring them in, and watch what I do. He'll clean them up because it's an inside job. Some churches tell you what clothes to wear, how to wear your hair, give you all this stuff. That's all outside. 
And you know what Jesus talked about with outside people like that? He said, you're whitewashed sepulchers. He told the Sadducees that. The Pharisees. God's looking for an inside job. Oh, come on, preacher. Let's get through. When we live by the Spirit, the Word says we mount up with wings as eagles. When we walk in the Spirit, we're sealed, marked, inscribed, and branded in Christ Jesus according to Ephesians 1 and 13. And you also were included, verse 13, in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Let me just stop right there at verse 13 in Ephesians chapter 1. What he said was the Holy Spirit's a down payment. He's a down payment of what's to come. I mean, my, my, I've had some times in the Holy Spirit, if that's a down payment, I don't think I can handle the whole thing. I mean, the appetizer, whew, I could never take the entree on. But he said it's a down payment. Verse 14 said, Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory? Now, hey, I'm just not getting preachy. I'm, I'm, I'm getting preachy-teachy, okay? Because I want you to understand the theology of your walk. You, you need to know this. When we live by the Spirit, we have access to the Father without fear or reservation. When we live by the Spirit, we're strengthened and we're reinforced in our inner person. When we live by the Spirit, we have a song in our heart. And the Spirit gives us that according to Ephesians 5. We fit in with one another because we're all in the same body. Jesus Christ. The problem is... That we're a lot like Jacob. We play a lot of games. We deceive people, but the problem is we deceive ourselves. It's kind of like, you're okay, I'm okay. But what the Word says is let the Holy Spirit shine the light on you. Any of you, you you probably have never done this. (laughs) When, When we were pastoring and had three children, small children in the home, we 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 would get this occasionally. Somebody at the front door. Now, we've been doing family in that room. You understand? You don't do family in your room? I mean, everything's strode. <laughs> so we had a closet. We say, just a minute. <laughs> Close that closet door. When they came in, everything looked good. See, we do that in the church. We kick it all in our hidden closet. And we walk around like we're okay. But there's stuff in our lives that needs to come out through the power of God. Is it okay to share this? I mean, he says, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to transform. How how in the world did Jacob get changed? He had an encounter with God. See, we need some God encounters. How many of you got a GPS in your car or on your phone? How many of you are listening to me? Because I know more than three people have got that in their phone. Come on. I'm not going to come take your GPS from you. How many of you have GPS? What else is going out? Okay, how many have GPS on something? Thank you so much. What happens when GPS is taking you somewhere and you miss a turn? Recalculating. Don't you hate that? Is this one going out that quick? Recalculating. Recalculating, take the next right. Well, I look over there and it's going to get me to turn all the way around and come right back to where I am. I think that's wasted time. I'll find this place. Anybody argue with the GPS? She's got a nice voice, but I can argue. 
see, that's where we are in our spiritual life. The Holy Spirit is saying, go here, turn here. And we're missing the turns. And he's saying, wait a minute, you missed it. Turn around, turn around. No, 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 I know better than you do. We don't. When we get off track, when, when, when you ever had your computer just go like crazy and look at you like, what do you want? You hit reset. Some of us today in this room may need to hit reset. We may have missed some turns. We may have missed some appointments that God had for us. But all we've got to do is hit reset to turn it around. Follow the Spirit, meaning He's going to empower you to live out the Word of God in your life. We can have dynamic power in these days. Number three. Three and four is going to go quicker than you think. Number three, renounce fear. Okay, number one is what? Change your walk. Number two is basically get in step with the Spirit. Walk with Him. Change your walk. Follow the Spirit. Number three is renounce fear. Why? Because you didn't take that turn because you were afraid to. Okay? So we want to renounce fear. Verse 15 says, Nor are you meant to relapse into the old slavish attitude and fear. You have been adopted into the very family circle of God. One of the most crippling emotions in our lives is that blind, apprehensive fear called anxiety. Amen? Anxiety shouts. It, it screams from the news headlines. It screams from the, from the sidewalks, from the neighborhoods, from the family, from all around us. There's this fear that rises up. Fear has caused many people to lose, to quit, to throw in the towel. Society programs us to fear. If you don't take this, you could die. Give me two of them. We don't want to die. I mean, we're bombarded from everywhere. Have you ever noticed how many prescriptions are trying to be sold now? Go tell your doctor you want this. I went into my doctor, and I told him, I said, look, I Google this, and here's what I think. He says, number one, Google's not a medical school. Number two, you're not a medical doctor. Listen to me, not them. But they're all on there telling you, this is going to make you breathe better, your heart better, your walk better, your joints better, your eyesight better, your ears better. Or at the first of the year, it's going to make your body smaller. <laughs> you know, they're all out there saying those things. And then when you listen to all the symptoms that they whisper to you, fear wants to shut you down as a believer, hold you back, keep you. From being the man or woman that God intends you to be. I love a little sign. Cindy and I lived in England three years. Went back last May and did three days in London, three days in Edinburgh, and three days in Dublin. And there's a little sign in a bed and breakfast in Ireland. And it says this. Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. And nobody was there. Did you hear that? Fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. And nobody was there. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to lift up your faith. Don't let the world around you, Romans 12 and 2 says, squeeze you 
into its mold. But let God remold your minds from within. That's the Phillips translation. Dynamic power for these dangerous days. For God, 2 Corinthians 1 and 7, Phillips translation. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. The power comes from Christ. He's the power that drives out fear. What are we in, you know, what we are in Him determines what we are in the world. We can have power. You can overcome. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in doubt. You don't have to let that lying, demonic spirit speak into you and paralyze you and tell you you can't. You can. You can. The last one. Oh, come on, somebody get excited now. You've got to change your walk. You've got to walk with the Spirit. Get in step with Him. And you cannot let fear keep you from missing a turn. You've got to renounce. You've got to stop fear. How do we stop fear? Faith stops fear. If you're in fear, get in the Word. You well, I just get, I'll go to sleep. Put it in an IV. Get that Word in you. I mean, you don't have to read anymore. It'll, it'll read to you. Let the Word read to you. And here's the other thing I love about the Word. It's like a spiritual mirror. You'll read and you'll look into it and then it shows you who you are. It reflects you in it so that you can change. The last thing, you've got to claim your heritage. Listen to verse 17. If we're His children, we share His treasures. And all that Christ claims as His will belong to all of us as well. Oh, come on, somebody. That's celebrating time. That, that's better than Reader's Digest sweepstakes. I mean, God just knocked at the door and said, You won. All that I have, you have. What God was in Christ while He was on earth, Christ is now in us. What God did in Christ, Christ is doing in you and me today. The relationship that God the Father had with the Son is the relationship that Christ, as the Son, has with us. Listen to me. It is through Christ that we're infused with the power of God. It, in Christ, we live, move, and have our being. In Christ, we're overcomers. We overcome death, hell, and the grave. In Christ, there is power to defeat every foe on earth, under the earth, and in the heavens. Somebody say amen. amen. The Word says that we put Him under our foot. Christ is the head, we're the body. What goes under the foot? The devil. Oh, shh, shh. Brother Ken, don't say that. You'll get him mad. I've read the end of the book. He loses. Come on, somebody. Don't live in fear today. If you've got fear, throw it off on the floor and kick it over to the other side. Our heritage is the power of authority. Christ says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. John 14 and 12. Will this really work for us in these days? God said it would. We have many testimonies that it has. So what's wrong with us? Why don't we believe God has given us power? You shall receive 
power. You, you know what happens with a lot of churches? They don't understand that power. They'd rather have a fireworks show on Sunday. Woo! We feel it. And don't worry about what you feel and you feel her. It's what you know and you know her. You got to know whether you feel it or not. Come on, somebody. I, I can't give you chapter and verse, but what he's really saying is quit trying to feel it and you feel it and start knowing it and you know her. And when you know it, you know her, you feel her. Come along someday. We've been given God's dynamic power for the dangerous days. It's one thing to know about the heritage. It's another thing to experience it. As I close, one of the meetings that D.L. Moody was in, he was explaining to the audience, if you don't know D.L. Moody, Google and read the story of D.L. Moody. What an amazing revivalist. What an amazing preacher of days gone by. He said, we cannot bring about spiritual changes in our lives by our own strength. That's what Moody said. He said, hey, you want all this? You, you can't do it without him. You can with him. But as long as you hold on to this earth, you can't. You've got to let go of the grip. The only way to get your hand out of this earth's cookie jar is release the cookies. And then take hold of what God has for you. So... D.L. Moody takes a glass and begins to talk. He says, tell me, how can I get the air out of this glass? I mean, he holds it up. How can I get the air out? How can I? What he was trying to say is, how do you get sin out of your life? How do you empty yourself of sin? You don't have the power to, like, go in and cut it out. You don't have the power to remove it. So he was saying, how could, and people start hollering. One man said, suck it out with a pump. Dale Moody said, well, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. Finally, after many suggestions, Dale Moody takes a pitcher of water. When you fill yourself with him, I have insurance to cover this. <laughs> when you fill yourself with him, then all of you is out. And this morning as we close, God does not come by working. You know, being with God, being the victory in God doesn't come by hard work. It comes by yielding, submitting, surrendering. You don't get those simple habits out if you're still full of you and sin. They come out when you get full of Him. Well, preacher, how do you get full of Him? You just keep pouring till you don't notice you anymore. You keep reading. You keep praying. You keep singing. You keep worshiping. You keep serving until you don't notice you anymore. There's no doubt about it. You have been given, offered. Let me say offered because you're only given it when you take your hand out and receive it. You've been offered dynamic power for these dangerous days that we live in. Here's what it takes. Change your walk. Follow the Spirit. Renounce fear and claim your heritage and be full of the Holy Spirit. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. 
Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.